We're thankful for the musical talent in this church. I'm just very curious. Uh, how many of you knew what song that was? My hand is not up. I know it now, but I did not know it prior to this week. Put those hands up one more time. Okay, a handful, yeah. So that song was called Keep on the Fire in Line. Uh, look up the Gaithers singing it, Andy Berger playing it on the piano. Great, great. Yeah. Yeah, we have one step above Anthony Berger. We have Shirley Pritchett, so. And then we can't say enough about Chris Thomas and how much he means to us. Well, this morning, I just have to ask, would we maybe have a word or two of testimony? I mean, it's Pentecost Sunday. Anybody want to give thanks to God for, for anything?
Well, we're at the end of this series, prayer, and I think this is a great way to, to get to Pentecost is, is talking about prayer. We've talked about how, how prayer is not just something we can check off the list. It's not something that's just an obligation. But prayer is for us the way that Jesus transforms our hearts. And when our hearts are transformed, then our hearts call us into action. And then once we're acting, we need power. And so where do we get power? From the Holy Spirit through prayer. And so we turn to prayer again and we ask God to continue to empower us. Last week we talked about the power of a praying church. And we came around together as a praying church and we sought the Lord's vision and, and wisdom for the future. And today we're going to talk about Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit. I invite you to think back to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. If you remember a few weeks back, we talked about the Edomites. You remember that? They were the bad guys. The people of Jerusalem were, the, well, the people of Israel, the people of God, were faced with these enemies called the Edomites. Well, in Second in Chronicles chapter 20, we find that the Moabites and the Ammonites, who are part of the bad guys, they are Edomites. They're coming from Edom. And they're coming against King Jehoshaphat. He, they're coming against the leader. They're coming. They're, they're about to attack. Jehoshaphat decides, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to commit to prayer. We're going to commit to prayer because we don't have enough people. We don't have enough weapons. We don't have enough, period. So what are we going to do? We're going to commit to prayer. And he didn't just decide that on his own. He went to the people of God in Judah and he said, we've got to pray. We've got a serious problem. The enemy is on the way. The battle is coming, and we are not prepared. We have to pray together. And then Jehoshaphat, on behalf of the people of God, he goes to the temple. And you know what he does? Anybody remember this? He complains. He goes to the temple and he says, God, why? Aren't you God? Didn't you lead your people here? Isn't this the promised land? Why? He cries out to God on behalf of his people, but the people themselves are crying out to God. It's a group effort. Jehoshaphat cries out that God will cast judgment on their enemies who have no reason to be attacking. You know, and I think in our lives, we would just, it would just be so much easier if right now God would just judge all our enemies, right? If all our enemies could just get sent to judgment day, it'd be so much easier just, just go ahead and, Lord, just, just, you know, smite them and do whatever you want to do with them. And then we'll live in glory. But I, I don't know that that was the cry of Jehoshaphat's heart, but the scripture says that he was praying that God would cast judgment upon them. Well, in Acts chapter 2, this is, this is the scripture that we would always read on Pentecost, Right? I mean, what is Pentecost Sunday without Acts chapter 2? The reading of the coming of the Holy Spirit. So let me remind you, the disciples, they're all gathered together as they were doing regularly after Jesus had ascended. It was that, that the disciples were just, they didn't really know what to do. So they said, let's get together. You ever done that with your family? You just, you're all going through it. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to make it better. But you say, hey, let's just get together. 
let's just be in the same room. Let's, let's, let's eat hamburgers and just sit together. So that's kind of what the disciples were doing. And out of heaven, a rush of wind comes. And the text in Acts chapter 2 says, The divided tongues of fire appeared on them. Now, that, that's really all the text gives us about what it looked like. Tongues of fire. But it does say that they are filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me remind you that in Genesis chapter 1, as God created, it says that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. In Ezekiel, the Holy Spirit, the, the life of God fills the dry bones. That same word, that same wind is the Spirit, the Lord, that enters into the disciples on the day of Pentecost. And they begin to speak in other languages. Just crazy. When, when, and when the, the city heard this, when the people heard it, they had to come and see. That rings a bell, right? Everything that Jesus did, the people had to come and see. Word was getting out without cell phones, as we talked about a couple weeks ago. But the people had to come and see. And you know what? They showed up, and they were hearing in their own language. So there's kind of two miraculous happening right here. The disciples are speaking in tongues. They're speaking in, in new languages. But the people are hearing in the language that they need to hear. So all that Judah knew to do was pray. All they knew to do was get on their knees before the Lord, not just on Sundays, because they didn't know how far away the enemy was. We couldn't let this wait till Sunday. We couldn't let this wait till Wednesday night. It had to be continuous prayer. Lord, do something, because the boat's going to go down. One thing I love is that the, the scripture tells us that even their children, even their children were praying. What does that tell us? It means that prayer was a part of the home. And it tells us that children knew that God could do anything. And they believed it. And so even their children, the whole family is praying. And they're all gathered together in one space. The town has come together for a corporate prayer and the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, great man, who is the son of Zechariah in the middle of that group. We're going to look at verse 15 here in 2 Chronicles 20. So the Spirit tells Jehaziel, so he said, he being the Spirit, listen. King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but it is God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the, Lord, the deliverance of the Lord will, will give you. Judah and Jerusalem. 
You know what that means? That means the northern and the southern part. You see, they're just living in Judah, and now Jerusalem too will be theirs. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Thanks be to God. So the crowd that had come to hear the disciples speaking, they're really confused at this point. Just utterly confused. What is going on? What does this mean? The text tells us they even said, they must be filled with new wine. Which is kind of interesting to me. You know, I, I don't think learning another language is as easy as becoming drunk. In fact, I imagine under the influence of alcohol that learning a language would be much more difficult. Right? Huh. But, it's all they had. We can see this a couple times in Scripture. Oh, they must be drinking. But Peter speaks in Acts chapter 2. And this will be on the screen for us. It says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven. So remember, Peter, in a group of people, with the disciples, he hears from the Lord and he stands up. He raised his voice and addresses the entire crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters, they will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's good news. You know, I think we like to focus in on that middle part. We like to talk about the signs and, and the things of the end times. But I think we've got to read the beginning of that text. It says, In the last days I will pour out my Spirit upon you. We just read that He poured out His Spirit upon them. It's already the last days. But we must remember that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we're not thrown into this alone. But we are given the spirit of the living God that can fall fresh on us and see us through even the last days. God is faithful. So what happens? Jehaziel speaks this to the people, and you know what they do? They follow the spirit. They follow the command of the Lord, and they go out, and what does God do? God fights the battle. And God is victorious, in case you needed to know. God didn't lose this one. 
but God shows up in a mighty way. They're outnumbered. They don't have the resources, and God says, I am fighting the battle. And you know, the scripture also tells us, and I'm glad that it does, it tells us the response of the people. The response of the people of Judah in this time were two things. It was worship, and it was testimony. Revelation chapter 12 tells us that we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. The people got it back then, before they had Revelation to read, before they had the New Testament story of the coming of the Spirit. The people gave thanks to God because they knew it was only by the Spirit of the Lord that this battle had been won. And so their response was worship and testimony. So the valley where this battle took place, it was called the Valley of Baraka. And that Hebrew word, Baraka, it means blessing. It means benediction. It means praise. So the valley that they were in, where they were outnumbered, they were outresourced, they didn't know what they could do. All they did was fall on their face in prayer. The name of that place is the Valley of Blessing. The Valley of Praise. And forevermore, that's what it will be known because God showed up there and was victorious. So how did the disciples respond? How did they take in what they had heard from the Lord through the words of Peter? They responded with testimony. They responded with going out and telling everyone about Jesus. That's why we have the rest of the New Testament. I mean, this happens in Acts chapter 2. Just, I encourage you this week, read the rest of the Acts. The miraculous things that happen because the Spirit has come and the people were faithful to the call of God. It's just incredible. And so how do we respond to the coming of the Holy Spirit? We go and we tell the good news of Jesus of Nazareth. We respond with making this place, our city, the valley of praise, the valley of testimony, the valley of blessing to the Lord. And we respond with saying, thank you, Lord, for you heard our prayer. You brought us out of the battle that we couldn't fight you brought us out of being alone and thinking that you were gone. But here you are, and you're meeting with us. In 1908, in Pilot Point, Texas, a group of people, they came together, and they had already been stirring for quite some time. People from the Methodist, the New Testament Church of Christ, the Individual Holiness Church, the Pentecostal Alliance, and the, Ch the Christian Missionary Alliance, they were all part of this group that began to meet and to form. And this group began to spring up schools. They, they were a people seeking revival, 
and a people seeking holiness teaching and preaching. They were a people who believed in sanctification and that God was doing something in the world and that they needed to be amongst the poor and the orphans and the widows. The groups, they they met all across the country and they even held a general assembly before they became a denomination in 1907. But in 1908, in Pilot Point, Texas, do you know what church was birthed out of that meeting? Wrong. In 1908, the Pentecostal Church of the Nazarene began. From our beginning, we have been a people of Pentecost. A people who have been filled by the Spirit that sense the presence of the Spirit in the midst of our battles, we walk into them and we say, Lord, we're outnumbered. We can't do this on our own. Hmm. Well, that was kind of a big trick, and I got all of you, and I'm very glad that worked out. But does anyone know how long we kept that name? I had to look it up this week. It wasn't fresh on my mind. For 11 years, for 11 years, we were known as the Pentecostal Church of the Nazarene. And in 1919, the, the Church of the Nazarene was one of the fastest growing churches in the, in the world, honestly. It was growing rapidly. But there was another church growing rapidly at the same time called the Pentecostal Church. And we weren't enemies by any means, but it was very confusing because we both had Pentecostal in our name. And so uh, uh, our beliefs really weren't all that different, uh, but there was some confusion, and, and so... In 1919, the decision was made that we take Pentecostal out of the name. And so since then, uh, there's been a few variations, but pretty much we have been the Church of the Nazarene. Sadly, in our world today, people hear Pentecostal, and they jump to just speaking in tongues, and they're afraid, and they don't understand. Well, if you didn't know it, we actually affirm that that can happen too. We just don't see it practiced very much in the Church of the Nazarene in America. It's happening across the world. But while, while our beliefs might slightly vary just a little bit, I think that the Pentecostal Church, as we know it today, has had to accept and deal with the fact that this is the first thing that comes to people's minds when they hear Pentecostal. The sad thing is, is, is that being Pentecostal doesn't just mean that, that you speak in tongues. But being Pentecostal means that you are a people of Pentecost. That is why several denominations ha- still have that word in their name. Not just the Pentecostal church, but there are numerous denominations still with the word Pentecostal in there. Because we believe that on this day in Acts chapter 2, the church was born as we know it today. And so we're, they're reminded by having it in their name that they're not just some group that decided to form, but they're a group that was called by the Holy Spirit to be the living church in the world. So in a sense, I'm a little sad that we took the name out, but in 1919, nobody cared about my opinion. Church, we're called to be a people of Pentecost, which ultimately means that we have received the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're to respond like the disciples did in telling everyone we can about it. That's what it means to be Pentecostal. 
And if that's what it means, then sign me up. Well, today we're going to celebrate something that's always special in the life of our church. Today we have the opportunity to take in five new members. And I couldn't think of a better way to conclude Pentecost than to welcome in new church members. And then we're going to take communion together. We're going to feast at the table of the Lord with our new church members and celebrate them today. So, if, if you're joining the church today, would you please come forward? Um, that would be uh, Riley Walker, Chris Thomas, uh, Al and Michelle Meeks, which Al's not here, but Michelle is coming forward. Uh, and Miss Dana Wright is joining us this morning. Well, well this is... Uh, this is, this is truly exciting and an honor, and we, we need Riley if, if she's coming. But this is one of the exciting parts about being a pastor. There's, there's a couple really, really good, exciting things. One is leading people to Jesus. One is baptizing people, which we're going to do that next week. We're going to have baptism next week. And another one is welcoming them into the church family. Now... If you've been at this church for any amount of time, you've met Chris. Chris has been around for years and years, and we're, yes, we love Chris. And as we see, he's, he's giving his time, his talents, and, and we greatly appreciate it and love him. Dana has been around this church her whole life. And uh, this is a surprise to her mother today, who did not know that she was joining us. And so this is a special time that that Dana and I have met, and she has said, Ryan, I'm, I'm home. This, this is home, and, and I'm, I'm here to stay. And so she's making that, that in, corporately to us today, and, and Al is also joining, but he's at work today, and so Michelle is, and Al are both joining, um, and they are, are longtime Nazarenes that are just transferring in, and, uh, but, so we're grateful to have Al and Michelle and here with us. We've loved on their kids, and we've loved on their kids, and now we get to love on them, and that's just, that's special. So, well, what's, what's going to happen here is I'm going to read, um, come on, Riley, you're not too late, come on. And we all love Riley, don't we? So I'm going to read, and uh, there'll be times for you to respond, but I'm going to give you the answers. It's not a test. Uh, and so, really, as I read this, I want you to hear this as celebration today, that we are a people of Pentecost. Dearly beloved, the privileges and blessings that we have in community together in the church of Jesus Christ are sacred and they're precious. There is in it such hallowed fellowship, care, and counsel as cannot otherwise be known apart from the family of God. There is the godly care of pastors with the teaching of the word and the inspiration of corporate worship, and there is corporation and service, accomplishing that which cannot otherwise be done on your own. Today we affirm again the doctrines and practices of the Church of the Nazarene, that we believe in one God, one Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe that human beings are born in sin and need the work of forgiveness through Christ and the new birth by the Holy Spirit, that subsequent to this there is the deeper work of the heart cleansing or entire sanctification through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And that to each of these works of grace, the Holy Spirit gives witness. We believe that our Lord will return, the dead shall be raised, and that all shall come to final judgment with its rewards 
and punishment. Today we affirm again the agreed statement of belief in the Church of the Nazarene. Do you heartily believe all of these truths? If so, answer, I do. Do you acknowledge that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, and do you believe that he saves you now? If so, respond, I do by faith. Desiring to unite with the Church of the Nazarene, do you commit to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, as expressed by the covenant of Christian character and conduct? Do you commit to the mission of God as expressed in the doctrine, fellowship, and work of the Church of the Nazarene? Will you support the teachings of the Church of the Nazarene and strive, with God's help, to grow in your understanding and practice of the same in a way that enhances the witness of the Church? Will you endeavor in every way to glorify God by a humble walk, godly conversation, and holy service, by devotedly giving of your resources, and by faithfully participating in the means of grace? Will you follow Jesus Christ all the days of your life, and abstain from all evil, and seek earnestly to perfect holiness of heart and life in the fear of the Lord? And I know that was a lot, but if you agree with all those things, would you say, I will? Well, this is exciting. I've met with each of these individuals, and we'll have more meetings to come. Pastor Trevor has taken Riley through the Articles of Faith and what it means to be a Nazarene and what we believe. And so it's my honor, as your pastor and as their pastor, to introduce you to the five, technically, newest members of Gainesville First Church, the Nazarene. Can we welcome them into the family? Thank you guys so much. You can be seated for, for just a moment. We've got one more thing to do this morning, and, and that is, as I said, I couldn't think of a better way to, to conclude Pentecost than to bring in church members and then gather around the table of the Lord together. So if I could have a couple of volunteers come and, and distribute communion this morning. We're, we're on our last round of these packs, I promise. This really is the last round of communion packs. Um, but as, as you're receiving those this morning, I wanted to talk just a minute about church membership and what this means. You know, joining the church does not mean that these people are saying that they're never going to miss another church service. Joining the church doesn't mean that, that you are... are you have to give every time, every minute of your day, every hour to this church. But what happened this morning is these that have joined us have affirmed before you that we, they love this family, that they felt welcomed in this family, and now they are a part of you. And so we take on that responsibility of caring for them and loving them and walking beside them. Well, in the Church of the Nazarene, we practice what's called open communion, which means you don't have to be a member of the church to participate today. We just believe that all that is needed is for you to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that he died for you, and on the third day he rose again, so that you may have everlasting life and communion with him. If you've never used these before, there's a, a thin film on the top that you can peel back to get to the wafer. And then that second thicker film is what's going to uh, get you to the juice there. I know they can be a little bit tricky, 
Um, has anyone else not been served? Well, today we do. We gather as one body. We gather as Jesus gathered the disciples in the upper room that night. We gather around that same table of the Lord. And we come before him today asking that he would meet with them the same way that he met with the disciples. Let's pray together. Father, today we're thankful for celebrating new church members. We're thankful for, for the blessing that is Pentecost, the coming of your Holy Spirit upon your people, Lord. Today, may these elements be for us the very broken body and shed blood of Christ so that we could be that for the world. Lord, today, would you seek our hearts? See if there's anything keeping us from you and, and giving all to you today. And if so, Lord, would you seek us and show us and allow this to be a means of grace in our lives today. And it's in your precious name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, on the night that he was betrayed, the very night that he knew it was coming, he did what we all want to do. We got together with the loved ones, with his disciples, his closest companions. And at the beginning of the meal, he took the bread and he broke it, which was common. He broke the bread and he blessed it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. And at the end of the meal, they got to the final cup. And Jesus held the cup up and he blessed it. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant which I have shed for you. Take and drink. We've gathered around the table today. We've gathered around the word. We've gathered around praise. It's been a good day in the house of God. Amen. And no matter where you're at today, I just want you to know that that Holy Spirit is available. That Holy Spirit is present and is with you. So would you stand with me this morning and let's pray one more time. Our gracious God, to whom all heart know. Lord, we know that you see our wickedness. We know that you see our shortcomings, but we're so grateful that you love us and accept us anyways. God, today we celebrate Pentecost, that your spirit is with us, and that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. Lord, we thank you for new church members who have proclaimed that you're doing something here and they want to be a part of it. Help us to be a faithful church and loving on them and supporting them and holding them up, even on their worst days. Lord, we ask today that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, that doesn't know that spirit that we've talked about, that will fight battles and go before us and lead the way. Lord, today is the day of salvation. We ask even now that they would turn to you and ask for forgiveness of sin, that you would be Lord of their life, and that they would be able to grow each and every day one step at a time with you. Lord, we thank you for our fellowship. We thank you for communion. We thank you for a wonderful time together today. And Lord, we go from this place as a people of Pentecost, a people filled with the Holy Spirit who are ready to testify.
to what God has done in the world and to what you want to continue to do. And it's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you go in his grace and peace today?